This is the Strike Mash Boil podcast presented by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. Right, welcome back to Strike Mash Boil. I'm Marco with Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Phil. Phil, we've got uh, kind of a repeat of guests this week. Right? You know, we're uh, kind of on this roll with Switzer and Nick. These guys are joining us again. That's right. So they're back. And uh, this week, we're going to look back a year ago. We made some predictions of what we thought was going to happen in craft beer in 2022. And uh, that was back in episode 28. It was the Lodo episode, so it was quite a while ago. And so we're going to kind of take a look at what our predictions were and if uh, if we were right or wrong. And we know a lot of people listened to the Lodo episode. That was one of our most listened to episodes. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was one of the most listened to so shows. So we either so. have egg in our face um, or wear the you know, Notre Dameses of beer. Exactly. Yep. So we'll start with Nick, because Nick was first last time. So Nick, your prediction for 2022 was two parts. One was the rise of craft lager, which I think people have been saying craft lager should, this is the year of craft lager for like 10 years. And the continued growth of non-alcoholic beers and specifically more higher quality non-alcoholic beers. So how do you think you did this Dude, year? I nailed it. What are you talking about? The show's <laughs> over, man. I mean, it's done. I mean, I couldn't nail it anymore. Are you, are you kidding me? Rise of the craft lager. How many how many breweries nowadays that, you know, traditionally brewed IPAs are now, like, just cranking out craft lagers? Like, they're all doing it. Like, that, that prediction is, for sure, has happened already and continues to happen. And on top of that, you have these breweries that are you know, who specialize in craft lagers that have just like really, you know, grabbed a hold of the whole crispy boy theme, which, you know, I, I think is kind of ridiculous, but you know, there is that group of people that really love lagers, you know, and you know, we're, we're seeing it, you know, come, come to bear. Um, and of course, like the biggest one, I mean, the rise of non-alcoholic beers. I mean, we just had a show, uh, about where we did, it wasn't a blind tasting, but tasting different non-alcoholic beers. And it's mostly because it is hot right now. I mean, it's January, it's dry January. Everyone is drinking these, these beers. There's multiple articles coming out. I mean, the, the market for non-alcoholic beers is, is enormous. It's bigger than it's ever been at this point. And you have, again, breweries who traditionally produce your IPAs, your pastry stouts that are now, you know, look, like turning their heads and looking at, you know, non-alcoholic beers and kind of focusing on that. So. Um, I think, I mean, I think these are two wins right here. These definitely uh, happened last year, and they, they're going to continue to grow. I mean, I could say, like, I could repeat these same uh, two predictions for this upcoming year, and I, I, I think I would still win next year as well. So with non-alcoholic beers, you said higher quality non-alcoholic beers. So we're a couple weeks separated from our little tasting, which was in the last episode. Do you think they were higher quality than you were well, expecting? Well, I mean, you know, the standard has always been yeah, what, like O'Doul's? It's always been like O'Doul's, and like those, that was your option, O'Doul's, great. So yeah, I would, I would say that, yeah, I'd say it's increased from O'Doul's at this point, even though some of the ones we had were sort of questionable. But, you know, it should be said, like, you know, I think we pointed this out during that podcast. We were, the standard was real beer, right? We were putting these up against real beer, um, which, you know, probably isn't a fair comparison, but... 
you compare those non-alcoholic beers with what was available 10 years ago, no contest is better than it's ever been. I mean, it's, it's crazy what they're able to do nowadays. Yeah, but who do you think, who do you think non-alcoholic beers are taking margin away from? Probably. Do you think it's taking it away from beer? Because I don't think beer drinkers are switching to non-alcoholic beer except for uh, like what we're doing, uh, you know, dry January or the people that are doing dry January. But throughout the year, I don't think NA beer competes with beer. I think it's probably displacing uh, other non-alcoholic beverages. Because I mean, uh, the reality is I don't think any of them really tasted like beer. You know, I don't they were think- pretty different. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think there's definitely they're 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 grabbing a segment of the population who maybe wants to participate in sort of the the drinking social construct without you know consuming large amounts of alcohol. But I, I also think there are people who are younger who get into beer. Maybe they get a little too much into beer. They gain a bunch of weight. Maybe they're drinking too much. And you know, there's this there's this movement at least in this country. Um, better health, you know, living a, a healthier life. Um, and that's come about through, you know, social media and, and all that stuff. And so I think there are a lot of like younger beer drinkers who are maybe get a little bit older who, um, you know, focusing more on work and want to live a more of a healthy lifestyle and they've been turning to non-alcoholic beer. So I think there there is a segment there um, where um, it's not just like bringing in new people. I think there are craft beer drinkers that are sort of turning more towards uh, non-alcoholic beers and I think we'll see more of that in the summer I think the summer is big is when they sort of switch from these heavier beers IPAs to something non-alcoholic when they're out uh, on the beach yeah I, I think the mission is for you know these tap rooms you're trying to get everybody in there right you want everybody in there with their kids with their dog with their wine drinking friend with their cider friend with their gluten free friend with their friend that doesn't drink so I think as far as like a you know, having a tap space and trying to do you know, sales on premises, it makes sense to just have something for everybody. And I think that the non-alcoholic beer fits in with somebody who wants to feel like they're drinking beer with their friends, uh, but doesn't want any alcohol. So, you know, it's it, kind of a smaller niche, but I think going for that strategy of trying to have something for everybody uh, so that you can flood your tap room uh, makes a lot of sense. Well, it's pretty well documented that the latest generation of people that are of drinking age, which is Gen Z, um, drinks less alcohol than um, Gen Y does, than Gen X does. And, you know, I'm thinking of about this uh, solely from a um, economic business perspective, that I think uh, what is happening is uh, you're, we're starting to see a sort of turn of businesses identifying the next wave of consumer, and that next wave of consumer is just inherently drinking less alcohol. So they're incubating them and hopefully trying to grab that consumer to be a loyal customer of theirs, because as that consumer comes of age, and eventually, because right now uh, the uh, largest uh, spending uh, power in the United States are millennials, uh, Gen Y. At some point, that will change to Gen Z. And right now, it's a mad dash by companies to grab the attention of that group that will someday be the dominant buying force in the U.S. And um, and they're not drinking as much alcohol. They're still drinking alcohol, just not as much as us raging alcoholic millennials. Uh, 
are. So, uh, so I think that that's part of what's going on, and I think that's why we've seen this massive explosion in that um, in that space. Yeah, I think it's partly grabbing a new consumer. Yeah. So to put uh, a bow on that, let's uh, let's look at some data to see if uh, Nick was right. So Drizzly, which publishes all kinds of cool data out there, um, and that's the online ordering and alcohol delivery platform for those who don't use it, which I don't, but whatever. Uh, Drizzly says light loggers gained two percentage points of sales from 2020 to 2021, and again two percentage points in 2022. IPAs stayed flat in 2022, and they actually declined in 2021. So I think uh, you know just the Drizzly data kind of shows that Nick was right. Um, then you know taking some quotes from some uh, breweries and some uh, restaurant groups, beer drinkers and breweries kind of jump the shark with off-the-wall beer styles, and people are coming back. And then it's a reaction to the sweeter, more newer styles, and the crisp styles such as pale lagers, Hellas Pilsner, even Kolsch. Which hmm, was that <coughs> your? <laughs> yeah, Switzer's uh, idea was Kolsch. Um, <clears throat> and then on the non-alcoholic beer side, so Drizzly uh, shows share of non-alcoholic beer has increased 41% compared to the previous year, <laughs> which is huge. Um, and then uh, just looking at, you know, beverage volume, no and low alcohol products, there's only 1% in the whole United States, but the growth rate was 15% year over year so switzer i mean no not switzer well switzer you were right too but nick i think you were right you called it of course i was still ridiculous all right yeah you know i i (laughs) I, i'm curious i wonder how much because um that it's one percent non-alcoholic is one percent of alcoholic beverage sales no uh yeah total beverage alcohol yeah so we don't know what percent of non-alcoholic beverage sales that is. I, I, I'm curious. I, 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 I wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, totally irrelevant. Um, what are you thinking? Like it's a small number and it grew 15%, but that doesn't really account for much? It still yeah. doesn't break right. break 1%. Right. Yeah. Um, and the other thing, too, is, uh, you know, like if you wanted more evidence that Nick totally nailed it, um, you know, Everybody listening to this podcast, you guys, we're all familiar with Trillium. Um, I have a friend that was in Trillium recently, and if this is not a sign that things are changing, Trillium had available at the tap room one IPA, one single IPA at Trillium, the place that built their effing name on IPAs. You'd go there, there'd be 19 (laughs) different IPAs to choose from, and this person went there and visited recently, and they had one, which is fascinating. It's like the multiverse. Well, even, uh, that doesn't make any sense. Right? <laughs> there's that. Um, there's a video series that Treehouse has been publishing recently on YouTube, and the most recent episode that came out was about their cellar, and they've been adding 70 barrel horizontal lager tanks. Just monster, monster lager tanks, because that's you know that's what they see as growth. To the other like. 48 you know regular tanks but i should say i should say that i mean before we go to marco 
you know, I'm not insinuating that IPAs are, are going away. I mean, IPAs are still they're still going to reign supreme. But you know, you, you, we are seeing this growth in uh, in non-alcoholic beers, crispy beers, um, and as we'll go get into like sort of our predictions, I, I have something similar as well. All right, Marco, your prediction for 2022 was a continued growth of craft beer, but craft beer drinkers are diversifying their alcohol selections, and you specifically called out bourbon. So trying to find some, well, before I, I give some data, why don't, you, why don't you tell us what you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, anybody who's listening to this podcast that uh, consumes bourbon probably has noticed the explosion of this usually the um, the the sign that something is doing really well is when everybody and their grandfather uh, is getting into it. So bourbon drinkers have probably noticed all of the breweries that have now doubled down as distilleries. Some breweries that we've talked about that said we're going to abandon brewing operation to now do distilling operation. Uh, night shift um, and so and then you probably also notice when you go into a liquor store that one of the largest uh, sections of a liquor store is that bourbon section uh, so you just seen the availability of different bourbons explode now um, just like because again I, when I talked about this before bourbon's been giving me the vibes that craft beer had 10 years ago when people were stabbing each other to find those highly exclusive allocated releases that nobody can get and bourbon is doing that now with all of these buffalo trace products we're seeing the gouging of secondary market we're seeing uh, stuff uh, hit shelves and be gone in a second we're seeing people planning hunting trips around bourbon uh, that they like they used to do for craft beer uh, so it just feels like, um, you know, we've seen that and it continues to grow and it continues to still pull crazy demand. Uh, anybody who's walked into a store and saw anything from Weller or Stag Jr. or any of those. I was in a store yesterday uh, that had Stag Jr. that was on the shelf. It's a $60 bottle. A liquor store was selling it for $350. Uh, the other thing that I, you guys may or may not remember is these... Uh, liquor stores that would go out or, or bottle shops that would go out and acquire beers and then you know you know either go up to like stove to the alchemist buy heady topper bring it back to their shop and put it on their shelves for like twice or three times the price uh, you're starting to see that with bourbon which is pretty fascinating there was um, on one of the bourbon groups that I'm in, somebody had called out uh, a liquor store that had purchased a bunch of store picks. And if you don't know what a store pick is, it's a uh, liquor store that makes a barrel selection and it gets bottled and it's an exclusive barrel for that liquor store. There's usually a sticker on there that identifies it as theirs. Uh, and people were posting photos of those stickers ripped off of a bunch of bottles and on a shelf at another liquor store. So it's just it like, I feel like this whole thing is just repeating itself. The demand is out of 
out of this world. We're seeing the category blow up in stores of what's available. And then the demand for those highly uh, sought after things is just through the roof. So, um, so I think that uh, there's plenty of evidence to show that it's happened and it's continuing to happen. Before we get to the data, uh, Switzer or Nick, do you guys uh, have any comments? I mean, I'll just say that I, I agree with Marco. Um, I think you are seeing this, this huge growth, growth in, in bourbon. Um, and that's just, it's not, it's not even a secondary market. I just think <clears throat> just, you know, I think people overall are, are starting to sort of started to diversify as far as, you know, drink what has, as far as drinking goes. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't, did Marco have two points or just one? I can't tell. Just so the first was that uh, craft beer would continue to grow, but then a second half of oh, okay, it was it. that craft beer drinkers mm-hmm. would diversify yeah. as well. Yeah. I, I, you know, I drink a bit of everything and, um, you know, I've got I've got some bourbon, but just as a casual observer, just watching you know the scarcity of it and the prices go up, and we talked about this before. I think there's a certain you know there's the scarcity and the rarity of something that that uh, you know pushes the desire for it, and there are a lot of people that'll wait in line for something, or you know they'll run around trying to find something that's rare, even though they might not really appreciate what they have, right? They want to have that bottle on the on the bar and. You know, share it with some friends or, or not even touch it, just leave it up there to look at. So that plays into, you know, kind of the hype that starts to build around things. And, and bourbon is certainly in the middle of it right now, like crazy. And it's been this way for a while, right? Yeah, it's been it's been ramping up a ton the last uh, few years. But it's I mean, I don't I don't know if it's going to slow down, but it it's at the top of the mountain right now. And I just don't know how high mm-hmm. that mountain is, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the price of bourbon is getting up into you know the Scotch area, and it's also it's surpassed <laughs> it in point. a lot of instances. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, we'll you, go find some bargains. Bargains on some Scotch. Yeah, I mean, like literally, uh, bourbon um, is the IPA of whiskey. Um, it's the sweeter example. It's uh, it's literally like it's got all of those characteristics that the guys that were chasing, um, you know hoppy juicy ipas are now chasing you know these toffee caramel brown sugar uh bourbons where the you know the crispy boys are the scotch guys uh, that are like mm-hmm. you know my my you know smoky uh you know isla scotch or my briny isla, isla scotch or these highland scotches like those are the traditional styles and you got these fucking new guys from Kentucky screwing it all up. <laughs> yeah, so if we look at the data, uh, according to the latest data from Distilled Spirits Council, spirit sales are close to overtaking beer. Uh, and then looking at whiskey itself, uh, it surpassed vodka in 2022. Yeah, which is um, insane. Like, that's crazy. Yep. Uh, and then the U.S. American-made whiskeys hold the largest share of total whiskey volume, which is probably not a big surprise. Uh, bourbon increased 8%. But, Marco, I, man, after all that, agave-based spirits grew 70% or took uh, 70% of the overall growth in the entire spirits industry um, and 65% just in the U.S., 
And in 2022, tequila surpassed U.S. whiskey by value. So they're the second most valuable spirit subcategory in the U.S. after vodka. And it's expected tequila will take over vodka in 2023. I blame the Kardashian Jenners for that. <laughs> oh, not George Clooney? Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe Clooney. Casa right? Amigos. Well, that's a really thing, nice. Yeah, the other thing I to like think that about tequila. is that that's based on, on sales, right? So if you yeah. think about it, you know, tequila has become much more refined and aged and people are buying much more expensive you know well-aged tequila so i'm sure that the price point has been creeping up on that as well which probably helps them the price i don't think the price point if anything like the the Clooney tequila has come down in price as the volume has increased but i think you know when you look at whiskey with allocations and whatnot whiskey's harder to come by so i think if you had um you know, Buffalo Trace on every shelf, like you can get Casamigos on every shelf, just about. Mm-hmm. I think you would see more sales as more people bought Buffalo Trace. I mean, products. I think it's I think it's different um, though. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe a lot of these people are buying tequila to just you know sip it neat. I imagine that's not the case. I think I, I agree with Mike. Um, the quality of tequila is, you know, miles above what it used to be 10, 20 years ago when you oh know, for sure your options was Cuervo Gold. Cuervo. You know, what I mean, yeah. So. <laughs> I just think yeah, it's just higher quality spirits. I think that's sort of attracting new people. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, for the longest time, Patron was the best you could get. Um, I mean, there were definitely some other ones, but um, so then uh, I have some comments in here about uh, that craft beer starting to contend with the rising popularity of RTD cocktails and canned alcoholic beverages. Um, and that uh, COVID and the pandemic stifled the craft beer market um, and U.S. beer sales were only up 1%, uh, at least in 2021. It's hard to find 2022 data yet. Um, sounds like it looked like the Brewers Association published usually in February. So Marco's, uh, you know, continued growth of craft beer is the first half. Um, there was some growth in 2022 in the first half, um, but... Uh, you know, I think we need a little. Uh, we need the Brewers Association to release the final data to to make a determination there. I don't think it came down. I think it did. Well, okay. yeah, yeah, it still feels it, like a lot of breweries are opening. Yeah, right? so that literally was what I was going to say. Ooh. There's so many mm. breweries that are still in the works of of opening um, that it's just probably you know the localization of. I mean, I don't know how many of these breweries actually report their sales up to. Um, the association so I, I like that i'm not sure but i but i imagine that with all the breweries that are opening up and people wanting those local spots uh that there's got to be some continued growth there but i the, the the point that i had made before is i do think i i believe this that um there's only so many alcohol consumers out there and they don't have bottomless wallets uh, so i do think that they are going to diversify what they're um you know, spending their money on it. If you guys just think about the our club, for example, how many guys have started dabbling into whiskey, or how often do we hear like uh, John LaBelle in the club? You know, had a post just the other day saying, "Hey, my brother's just getting into bourbon. I want to buy him a bottle." There's like just so many people entering into it, but you know, they they are probably beer drinkers. They're probably hearing about this you know exciting whiskey trend. 
and are saying, oh, I want to dabble into it, but they don't have the money to just do everything. So in uh, 2022, Brewers Association did say 550 plus breweries opened. There were 250 or 200 plus closures. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and, there were, you know, it's um, and right now the total number of breweries are there's 9,500 breweries in operation in the U.S. Yeah. So there's still a net increase, but uh, but that's a that's I a mean, bit I of a churn, we've seen right? It here. <laughs> Yeah, we've seen it here in Massachusetts with some recent closures and announcements and um, consolidations even where breweries are starting to kind of uh, join forces with each other to keep, you know, consolidate the production but keep maybe their brands alive. Uh, right, here, so, right here across the river in Amesbury, uh, you had a new brewery open up and now there's a new brew prep going on. So they're going to have four breweries in Amesbury and that's, you know, not a big city. Sounds like a good city to me. You've heard us talk about them on our podcast, our local homebrew stores offering the listeners of Strike Mash Boil an awesome deal on their first order online or in person. Beer Wine Hobby at 87 Andover Street in Danvers, Massachusetts is our go-to homebrew store. They have everything you need to brew a batch of beer, wine, or cider. They have more than 100 fresh grains, all the classic and new world hop varieties in a variety of sizes, and yeast from White Labs, Y Yeast, Imperial, and Omega. So for listeners of Strike Mash Boil, use promo code MVPOD to get 10% off your first order. Go to beer-wine.com to get started. That's MVPOD. All right, me. So I said we were going to see a continued growth or see some growth in session beers and traditional lower gravity styles. And um, I think I've definitely seen kind of a push towards that through a lot of the breweries that I've visited this year. And even from some of my friends whose, you know, habits have changed over the last couple of years. So, I mean, one example of traditional styles or lower gravity styles, I'm going to use Backbeat. And Backbeat is uh, a brewery in Beverly. They've continued to grow. They've added additional beer engines. Um, they just had a very successful um, main vest uh, session. Uh, collecting um money to to upgrade uh so there's definitely kind of a growth in that area and then just looking at members of our club some of my friends they're not going out and buying big beers anymore they're the breweries that they want to go to and, and hang out at are kind of the notches of the world or or the equivalents where um kolsch or you know going back to switzerland is kolsch you know, easy drinking, light alcohol beers or light lower alcohol beers are kind of the name of the game. It's not about going out and getting hammered. It's, you know, we're getting up in age and we want to uh, wake up the next day and not have a hangover. Um, so that's kind of, I, I think, like even, uh, all right, let's look at Treehouse, right? Which uh, it's easy now. Treehouse is right down the street. But how many lower gravity offerings does Treehouse have now? A ton. Um, and then, uh, 
I was at a brewery. Oh, man, which one was it? Shit, that's not very helpful, is it? Uh, there were only two beers that were over 6%. Oh, Aeronaut. Um, I was at Aeronaut back in December, and they, out of the uh, about 15 beers they had on draft, only two were over 6%. Hmm. And, you know, just on a Tuesday night, the place was packed. There's not a, a spot you could grab on a Tuesday night um, for their trivia night. So tons of people there, and 13 out of 15 beers are under 6%. All right, that's all I got. What do well, you think, Well, I, I think a part of that, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, I, I think a part of it is, again, going back to economics. Um, I, I believe um, margins are probably a little bit better on on uh, the lower alcohol beers because you can produce them for less money and uh, you're more likely to get somebody to come to your location and drink a couple of them. I I can think of a couple of places Mm -hmm. uh, in the city, Boston, uh, where, you know, uh, they would do, they did only 12 ounce pours. What the hell's the name? It it wasn't a brewery. It was a, it was a bar. Uh, Like the public house or something like that. I can't remember the name of it, Uh, but I went there to lunch, uh, with uh, someone and they only did 12 ounce beers didn't matter what it was and they were all eight dollars also didn't matter what it was uh so (laughs) so i I think there's something too uh with the the pandemic hitting a bunch of breweries really hard uh, that they probably had to and then we've got inflation that's making things outrageous so I, i i bet there's you know just something to breweries saying hey uh there's this there's demand for these lighter styles and we can sell multiple of them and our margins probably a little bit better or we don't have to uh, do a significant price increase uh because we can the margin that we have there we can just eat a little bit into that Uh, so I, i think that there's probably uh, something too it's just a good business decision to have some of these lower alcohol beers like uh, treehouse for, you know, well, steel, um, Nick's term damp January released that two and a half percent beer, which has got to be like the second mm-hmm. runnings of Julius or something like it's, it's, oh, it's guaranteed like, uh, to be something that they didn't just get ingredients just to make that it's gotta be the runoffs of something. And it's just, you know, if you can make something that's tasty, and it, it makes good business sense, then I, you know, I think that's, I think that, I don't see why breweries wouldn't do more of that. Yeah, uh, Switzer, Nick, you got anything to add? I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with everything that's been said. I think you're, I mean, I think you sort of nailed it. Uh, I think you're seeing these breweries kind of latch on to session beers. I think that latches on to, um, you know, the rise of non-alcoholic beers, beers that people want to drink without thinking about um, calories, without thinking about, you know, feeling like shit the next day. Um, I think they all kind of go hand in hand. I think we're going to continue to see that growth. Yeah, I think that the breweries really latched on to this, you know, it was the European beer culture. You know, there was a time where you wouldn't see anybody drinking a beer during the day and People would just come into these these dark caves of bars and you know till the wee hours of the night. And now, you know, it's much more social. You're outside. There's beer gardens. There's places with activities. And 
So it's much more a social atmosphere, and so it makes sense to be drinking beers that are social strength, right? Where you can be there for a couple hours and not, you know, stumble out of there. So it just makes sense for the way that things are going, which is great. Well, and and you know, we're sort of tied into what we were talking about a little while ago. It's you know this sort of growth and expansion of bourbon, which the the bourbon category, I mean, some of them are forty percent alcohol, but the majority of them are forty five, fifty plus alcohol. And I'll tell you what, if I'm going to have a dram of bourbon, the last thing I'm going to do is drink a pint of 12% Imperial Stout before it. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll, I'll have a couple of, you know, lower alcohol beers with dinner. Although, you know, just this fucking conversation kills me. It's 24 days into dry January. And I'm like, God, I haven't had a beer and I'd love to have beer with dinner. Uh, so it's just hurting me, and I'm watching. Meanwhile, you're surrounded by. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sitting in the collection, <laughs> it's just like three hundred bottles on shelves behind. And me. then I'm watching Nick <laughs> drink beer, like fuck my life. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so like I I want to have a couple beers with dinner, and then maybe an after dinner drink, which might be a dram of something, and and I'm, I I don't want to go into that being obliterated. So I think that's part of it too. I think that's a, a contributing factor. So looking at some data out there, I don't have a ton of data data, but uh, some uh, quotes from a a restaurant group, uh, day drinking on weekends has become a thing and lower ABV classic styles are the kind you can drink while having games and other activities um, as uh, something that's popular. And uh, it's a contrast to the office hop uh, happy hours and late night drinking sessions and dark bars. Um, we're just wondering if you guys were reading this as, <laughs> as you were talking. Um, and then uh, at, uh, you know, the COO of uh, a retailer out of uh, New York says consumers uh, consumed a ton of beverages or they're, they're able to consume more beverages rather than during COVID where they were just getting shit faced on whatever game of the most alcohol possible. And we all know why. <laughs> all right. So, um, and we've kind of talked a little bit about uh, light lager and all that, which fits into that same thing. All right, so Switzer, you said there was going to be a growth of two specific styles, Kolsch and Alt beer, um, and just more traditional styles in general, and maybe not a decrease to IPAs, but more community styles, more traditional styles, traditional glassware, et cetera. That was, that was kind of your thought. Yeah. So I, I Do you know how hard it is to try and chase data on Kolsch and Alt beer? Ugh. I know, right? right? And, and it's probably lumped in inappropriately into light lager, right? Kolsch is probably. It, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know, I started off with a very specific prediction with Kolsch and Alt beer, and then just to hedge my bets, blew it up into traditional styles, <laughs> you know, de- no decrease in IPAs, uh, more community. And I think when I was talking about more community, it's kind of this more, you know, the beer garden style, people coming in and socializing in breweries more. Um, but, you know, I think I think I saw more Kolsch out there. I mean, I, granted, we've got the Notch example where they really focus on that and, and the beer culture of, of Kolsch. But I feel like that style is, is well, definitely Well, how many, seen. like, Kolsch night used to be like a once-a-year thing, and yeah. now it seems like it's every two months. Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's more of a seasonal thing too. I think that that here in the states, you know, Kolsch is more of a summer, warmer weather thing. But I, I feel like I did see more of it. Alt beer, I will admit, I have not seen a ton of them, um, but I feel like I've seen more than I had the year before. 
um, definitely those traditional continental beers, be it lagers, be it, you know, pseudo lagers, like alt beer and Kolsch, I've definitely seen, you know, a surgence of that. Um, you know, getting into the traditional glassware, uh, I feel like I'm seeing a lot more of that. We're seeing, you know, I talked to, I try to remember, I listened back to that episode, I said lucre a lot, and I think I called that. Um, I'm definitely seeing more side poles, lucres around, uh, traditional glassware. If people are serving a Czech lager, a lot of the time you'll see that proper, you know, tubing in the dimpled mug. Um, you're seeing that a lot more. Uh, so it's great seeing people, you know, really uh, embrace that and give people, you know, give customers, you know, that traditional experience. Right glassware, right serving. Um, but again, you know, looking forward, how's that going to change? I know that we talked before about that that article about. You know what is what's the dark side of that, right? If if Czech lagers become really popular and people are looking for them, and you have breweries that just throw a side pole in there, have no idea what they're doing, produce crappy lager, serve it on a side pole the wrong way, and people have a bad experience with it, is it going to turn certain people off? So I think as you see the growth in that, you hope it's responsible growth and not just people jumping on a trend without the proper, you know, effort behind it. So I, I'd say that's. I think that it it was a pretty accurate prediction in that sense. Um, I just hope that as it grows in in the future, you don't see it going to the dark side. I think on the traditional glassware front, years ago you used to see like a brewery would have one kind of stemmed Belgian style tulip glass and maybe like a shaker pine or a Willie Becker glass or something like that. And that was like all all the glassware you ever saw. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody was doing the stupid tulip glass says the guy who ordered the club tulip glasses last year (laughs) um but there have definitely been more breweries that i've gone into recently that have expanded the available glassware and not only that but like branded glassware too like i used to never put your brand on the glassware out of i think out of fear that people would just steal it um but now you go in and there's, you know, six, eight, ten different styles of glassware behind bars and uh, at breweries. And I think that's just awesome, right? You're going to serve ten different styles of beer. Why not have a couple different styles of glassware to go with it? Well, and the smart breweries are selling their glassware too, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. So they're getting some extra revenue stream through that. Um, but, no, it's great to see. And, I, you know, I personally think it makes a difference. I did get involved in a very uh, vicious Facebook back and forth with people that were complaining. The original post you? was complaining. No. <laughs> original post was complaining about breweries serving beers in plastic glass or plastic cups, um, not just outside, but in the brewery itself. And uh, then it was the, you know, as, as you'd predict, the people saying, you know, you're being stuck up. You know, it's bullshit. It tastes the same. And then people that are purists that really feel like it should be, you know, they should take the time, pour it the right way in the right glassware so you get a good experience because you're paying, you know, eight, ten bucks for a beer. Well, I mean, the only reason they don't do that is because people steal the glasses. That's why Treehouse stopped doing that. Because Treehouse, oh, really? yeah, well, Treehouse, <laughs> you'd go there and you'd, you'd order an IPA and you'd get like this special glass with their logo on it. And people were just stealing them left and right. So they just stopped doing it. That's 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 a problem with doing that, you know. Yeah, that sucks. I mean, it's such a big place. It's easy for people to walk mm-hmm. off. I think the smaller breweries are, it's a little bit easier, you know, especially if you have regulars and stuff like that. You don't have a bunch of randos coming in. I think with Treehouse, though, especially Charlton, like 
you can basically get your beer and walk anywhere you want in the property. So I think part of going to the plastic too is just not having glass all over their property. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure there are a lot of reasons, but they still they still pour in glass just without the logo. It was a logo that that mm-hmm. people were stealing yeah, because yeah. of that. If you just pour in a plain in a plain glass, I've seen it doesn't more matter. logos. Yeah. Ah, that makes sense. I think in Massachusetts, main beer company used to never have logos, and now well, they do. I, I think in Massachusetts, you have to have something on a glass. I don't think so. For, for, for an alcoholic beverage, I thought you did. I've been to a lot of breweries, growlers, where yeah, playing glasses, but not the glassware. Yeah, I thought I thought they had to at least have like, uh, uh, like a mark that showed like how many ounces it was at the very least. It had to have like a. Something mm-hmm. on it. it didn't have to be a label. Standard. It just had to be like yeah. something on it. I didn't think it could be a tool. In Germany, it has to have a mark. Yeah, you might yeah, be Germany, Germany. England, in Germany, you have EU. to have a mark. Yeah. And there's yeah. even like a society of people that go around and make sure that the beer is being poured to the to the mark. <laughs> or else they, I don't know, report them to the police and they're That's murdered. like the English thing where, you know, you, you have to yep. pour it to the top, no head. And if you don't pour it to the top, right. you, you send it back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I uh, as it pertains to the glass thing, um, you know, listen, ninety uh, percent of beer judging competitions in the United States use these little stubby plastic cups to judge your beer and say what it tastes like, smell like, and it works just fine. Um, I agree that uh, the serving vessel makes a difference in, in how so- the experience of drinking a beer, but. You know, my theme tonight, I'm stuck on the business part of things today, but the loss that breweries are probably facing with people taking things, glass being broken, uh, they probably say, like, does it really make my beer that much better to justify this added expense that comes with um, having glassware that keeps going missing or broken or, or whatever? And it, maybe it doesn't. I mean, again, we host our competition. We always use these little plastic cups and we can smell the beers fine and we taste them fine and they look fine inside of them. Uh, so and so I, I do think that uh, the um, uh, increase in the uh, flavor and smell of a beer uh, is probably marginal. The experience is just like, hey, it's cool to hold this glass and, and uh, it tastes a little bit better, but it might be more of a nostalgic experience type of thing um, than anything else. And here we go, because I disagree with you completely. <laughs> well, then why, <laughs> really, like, why, don't, pay, why doesn't if, everybody do... If I'm going to pay eight bucks for, for a beer that costs the brewery 20 cents to make, they can serve it to me in a glass, because it, it's a different experience drinking out of a glass for me, for sure. And, you know, in a, but is it, in a beer comp, it What's the different experience, though? That you're holding a glass and, and, you know... I, I can smell a plastic cup. If you put a plastic cup over my nose, I can smell a plastic cup. And I want to smell a beer. I want to, if it's, especially if it's like a Kolsch or like a Hellas or some delicate style, and I'm getting, uh, you know, this beautiful nose of grain and, and Hollertau hops and plastic cup. You know, that, that, that kind of ruins it for me. I mean, I'm not, I'm not terrible. I'm not going to throw out a beer. I'm still going to drink a beer in a plastic cup if it's handed to me. But... If I'm going to a brewery and I'm spending good money on a beer, uh, you know, I would prefer it to be in a glass. I don't know. I think at an Oktoberfest party, the beer tasted a whole lot better out of that one liter stein than it did out of the plastic. 
Oh, yeah. I didn't drink yeah, it out of the sure. plastic, so I don't know. I only had it in that one liter stein. <laughs> yeah. But again, yeah, is the experience any different, Marco, with those uh, chugging things you've been doing out of the one liter stein? Should we do those out of plastic just to or see if it's any different? How about a plastic <laughs> bucket? <laughs> if like I, a um, Home Depot. Out of a Home Depot I bucket. Mean, uh, you know, a listen, Homer bucket. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I was chugging bullshit out of plastic solo cups. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, we could just bring it Fair. back. Oh, I think I have to do the pilk uh, chug, though. I think I got to do that to wrap up. Uh, dry january so milk and pepsi apparently is a fucking thing so <laughs> coming coming to a video near you marco's gonna do pilk which i don't even know why i just signed myself up for that but whatever i think we should use a chat bot to come up with some concoction for you to drink <laughs> oh i've been sending him options like every couple days it's it's great all right so switzer i think uh so we talked about a little bit that um Kolsch got kind of lopped in with uh, all the other pale lagers, mm -hmm. and there's definitely been a growth there. Alt beer's a little tougher to find some data on. Um, but uh, I've got a funny thought. You know, no, go ahead. Would you technically put cold cold IPA into the lager category? No. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? No. Right. <laughs> it's an it's an ad because it's lager an IPA. That's just hopped like crazy. Yeah. Right. Oh, what are it's we no doing here? It's no different than IPL. IPL is a lager, so yeah. Right. yeah, yes, I put it in there. Um, I knew that'd be an annoying thing to bring up. That's why I did it. Looking back at our predictions for 2022, I think we all did pretty good. Um, we're not going to do predictions for 23 just because it's we're probably all going to pick the same shit. If you like what you've been hearing on our show, hit that subscribe or follow button on your podcast service. And if you have any ideas or feedback for us, leave us a review or shoot us a DM on Instagram at StrikeMashBoil. Or join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. We're going to take a look at, so Hop Culture, which is a website, has a list of beer trends to watch. So we're just going to read through nine beer trends and uh, see what we think. See if, see if they sound valid or, or uh, um, are total, totally whack. So we'll start with um, first trend they suggest or say will happen is making drinking spaces such as brewery tap rooms more inclusive and safe safe so that's the first one interesting yeah uh, i think it's in the context uh, yes, of talked about this before yes oh like yeah. the uh, Let me, uh switch like our the screen share. stuff yeah i'm sorry what yep. brewery is not doing this <laughs> i mean it sounds of course it's gonna happen a lot a like, lot what like the There's middle a of the country lot of or like it just seems really weird that you no, would, just in general. Like, I mean, you paint yourself a target if you're all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're you know we're against gay people, against trans. Like that seems really stupid. I don't know. I'm surprised well, breweries I, would go that I, way. I think what this is probably um, trying to insinuate is the boys' club um, persona mm -hmm. of breweries. Um, there's going to be a shift in that. Um, and I think we've seen a little bit about the, of that with more female-owned breweries or female brewers or females working in the brewing industry. 
So I think it's more targeting that. I mean, we're, we're also in the Northeast, which is, um, you know, a, a yeah. more inclusive part of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you know, it might seem a little bit jarring to think that there are places that aren't doing it. But I think they're really just trying to talk about the um, the persona that the beer industry is, you know, the brosif industry. Exactly. Uh, so the next trend is uh, kind of going along with that. Uh, the uh, that breweries, festivals, and brewers guild codes of conduct. Um, so as beer festivals come back, uh, again, safety and inclusivity and having codes of conduct. And this is a, a growth out of uh, the uh, Me Too and beer um, with uh, Brianne and, and all of the things that she's done with uh, um, her, uh, what's her beer called? Uh, Sacred Profane? I just blanked on it. No, that's her brewery. The brewery, okay. Oh. Uh, yes, yes, yes. How, how could I forget? I don't know. <laughs> I forgot it, too. You're Damn. like her number one uh, fan. Brave Noise. Yeah. Brave Noise. Brave Noise. Got that's it. the one. I get credit. I just had to scroll a little further on this. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just a continuation of the other one, more uh, DEI. Yeah, it's got to be our um, area because, I, I mean, I feel like when I go into a brewery, there's... It's one of the more welcoming environments. I mean, part of it's probably business for them, but a lot of it is, you know, they're employees and they know it's smart to make people feel welcome. I mean, you get good people and you want to keep people there. Um, I mean, that's just been my outside observation of walking in. They seem like pretty welcoming places. I mean, however you want to come in, you want a lot of them are dog and pet friendly. Um, a lot of them are fine having kids running around and it's like a kindergarten. I mean, it seems like everybody and anybody is welcome. To Which isn't always a good here. thing. And this is coming from someone with a kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a bar in my basement, so when I want to be a curmudgeon and not have any uh, small kids or animals around, I can just go down. Uh, the next trend is uh, continued growth of RTDs, uh, which I think we've already uh, kind of talked about. Well, this about. is oh, probably, really RTDs. this is probably a growth in the malt liquor uh, segment of RTDs. Uh, no, I, I think it's in. I think it's in like, um, like canned cocktails, like ready to drink cocktails. Yeah, yeah, right. cocktails. No, no, I, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. But I'm, I'm thinking this is because uh, this is talking about beer trends, right? Uh, yeah, it's in craft yeah, beer. So, okay, so, that's fair. so maybe it's like seltzer, right? Well, so I, I mean, yeah. I, there's a there's. Um, uh, a, a sort of simmering segment of the RTD um, uh, portfolio that are these, you know, malt beverages that are being turned into canned cocktails. And and if you look at, um, uh, I think it's on the ABCC website, uh, they've de- uh, developed um, uh, criteria for, for rules and to be able to use malt liquor to create a um, alternative, or, uh, what is it? Uh, God, what the hell is it? Um, Alka Pops, Alka Pops, is, um, okay. which are alternative alcoholic beverages that are made with malt liquor. So they have rules. I think if I remember off the top of my head, it's like can't be less than 25% um, malt derived sugar. Uh, you can't have more than 1%. Uh, alcohol contributing to it from uh, an outside source that isn't a flavoring like uh, 
vanilla extract, you know, is soaked in vodka, whatever the hell it is. You mm-hmm. can't have more than one percent of the volume from that. So, so it, there is a portion of RTDs that are starting to grow, that are being derived from malt liquors, which are being produced at breweries because breweries can make them without getting a distiller's license. Uh, this right. is like uh, the Fireball Cinnamon versus Fireball yes, Whiskey. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Same same thing where. Uh, they can. They just got into a lawsuit. You saw that. Well, right? yeah, it's the mm-hmm. label, the misleading label. Yeah, the label is very yeah, exactly. Uh, but their their strategy was because it's a malt beverage, they can put it into some stores where it can't be carried in stores uh, that normally wouldn't allow it. So, like for example, in New Hampshire where It'd I be live, beer wine. Uh, yeah. the um, all liquor is done is state controlled, uh, so you can only have fireball in the liquor store but this cinnamon version of it can be sold at market basket Mm -hmm. the gas station all these other places because it's under a certain percent alcohol and it's a malt derived beverage so i think that and if you had a beer and wine license you could serve that as well right beer and wine yeah yeah like if correct like a craft beer seller that's a real craft beer seller or a restaurant westford but or a restaurant yeah 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 So the next trend is uh, they're predicting is uh, breweries will continue or start to invest in beverages beyond beer, not necessarily hard seltzer either. Um, So some hard seltzer, but also hard kombucha or um, uh, other RTDs. Um, So looking at, you know, like we'll use uh, Treehouse and Trillium as an example. And and Night Shift, they've all got distillers licenses and they're all making... um, hard liquor now um so that one i think we've kind of chatted about that a lot uh, that's not going anywhere ah beyond non-alcoholic beer hop water that'll become more of a trend in 2023 which we did try a hop water in our uh, na beer tasting yeah i don't know why they don't just call it hop flavored seltzer this is like cold ipa all over again Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think when people say uh, seltzer, they sometimes think of hard seltzer. So if they call it hot-flavored water, it's more clear. The next one... How long before I think we we'll get like alcoholic hop water? I'm sure there exists. You're just going to reverse engineer uh, IPA? <laughs> and then it goes from that to something called beer. They'll call it clear IPA. <laughs> oh, God. It'll, no, it'll be like crystal crystal Pepsi. It'll be crystal, crystal IPA. IPA. That's, that. That's next, boys. Heard it here first. Isn't it just a cold? Isn't that just a cold IPA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the year of Czech lager. Uh, all right, sure. I mean, that's been the year. It's been like this for the past ten years. Every year, it feels like it's yeah, the year of the Czech lager. Exactly. Yeah, right. I think uh, it's been like kind of a slow creep. Yeah. All right. Here's the next one. Belgian beers are not far behind. God, I hope. See, that's surprising. I, I don't, I don't believe this one at all. No, I don't believe it at all, too. Yeah. But I would love for Belgian beers to just right make a massive resurgence. Is this the last one? They probably just threw this one at the end because they need to hit 10. <laughs> yeah, they probably assumed well, so. nobody would read this far. <laughs> like, there's like, no way. Yeah. One of them uh, there's no way Belgians are coming back. One of them owns a Belgian beer. Yeah, there's no way Belgians are coming back. There's no way. They do say that, uh, according to Untapped, you know, that... Uh, that totally accurate, fantastic resource uh, has some stats from 2022 that uh, for the top rated styles coming in at number seven was uh, uh, where was it? I just saw it. Uh, Fruit Lambics came in at seven. 
traditional lambics and tenth. How many of those fruit and, lambics um, are uh, uh, kettle yeah, soured, okay. fruited yeah. uh, beers? Yeah. Like they're called well, that's exactly what they are. God, it makes me angry. I'm Belgian, just angry yeah. about it. Belgium probably came up in search terms because there's probably some pastry stout called like Belgian waffle, and it just yeah. had like a huge jump. <laughs> well, there is another uh, one. There is another this, one. Okay. Oh, is that this cold? is the last one, and uh, cold, cold IPAs IPA. stay stay hot. <laughs> oh, that editor gets some like massive points. Cold IPAs stay hot. Uh-huh. Good for them. I brewed my second one. So it's a it's a, a third it's a one. good question. I, I I don't know. Like you know, a couple what, a year or two ago, we had brewed IPAs, and everyone thought that I was going to take over, and that that fucking died. Well, until you drank one, right? But like cold IPAs. Uh, I mean, they're fine, but you, I, I just I don't I'll find them exactly that different on. than an IPA. I don't exactly. know. That, that's a problem with it. I don't know if that's going to yeah, catch what's on. What's going on? This is the natural boomerang back from New England IPA and hazies back to a traditional West Coast IPA. It's a natural boomerang. And they just sped it up and made it seem like it wasn't a boomerang by inventing this style that is a little different, and I do enjoy it. Um, but there, it is very close to drinking a nice, clean West Coast IPA. So I think... It's making that boomerang seem like you're not going back to something old. You're going back to something new. Something new and different, yeah. So I think that's why it's working so well. I've I've had now two commercial examples that I've I've bought. Smutty Nose and um, Sam Adams. They both produce some, and I swear to you, they're just West Coast IPAs. Like, literally just as cold IPA on a can. But not having it side by side with a West Coast IPA, just having that as the only beer. I was like, all right, I feel like I'm drinking a, a Westie. Well, and here's another I, thing. I do it's feel like... Westie. That's a bad term. If you think I, about I the, feel the like, product. though, we're, we're trying out these cold IPAs from, you know, kind of the breweries that didn't, you know, they didn't start the style, right? So it's kind of like drinking a Hellas and saying, this is what a Hellas is supposed to taste like. And then when you finally get out to the West Coast and go to Wayfinder and yes. or finally get to Munich and go to... Um, Hofbrau and try it. Like, that's not what a Hellas is. Well, yeah, it is actually. The other places have been butchering it. So I, I kind of withhold judgment until I get a hold of a Wayfinder. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the fear is that something catches on, you know, and, and Chris Loring is worried about this, and everybody that's doing great Czech beers is worried about people getting into it with a side pull and making shitty Czech lager. The same thing with cold IPA. I mean, if you want to sell your beer, you make a West Coast IPA because you know how to do it. And you you know you're not going to screw up the batch, and then you call it a cold IPA. So, I, I haven't tried this Muddy Nose. Um, I've got a new cold IPA that I did with Citra and Galaxy, and it's fantastic. So yeah, the Muddy Nose one, and listen, they're right down the street from where I live. Um, so I, I hope to frequent there uh, this summer. Uh, it wasn't good. It was just it wasn't it wasn't even a good West Coast mm-hmm. IPA. It was just. Uh, it just wasn't good. I don't even know what to say about it. It just was shitty. All right. So to close out our little uh, chat here, uh, rather than predictions, what's a wish for craft beer in 2023? So if you could wish for something, what would you wish for? Uh, we'll start with uh, Nick. Why don't we go first? Oh, man. Um, Set the tone, buddy. Yeah, I know. This uh-huh. is really hard. I, I'm gonna try and make it a little bit more realistic, and I'm gonna try and I'm also trying to be gonna try and be positive, which is which is a first for me. Um, <laughs> says the guy sitting in front of Anthony Bourdain, giving the yeah. middle finger. <laughs> by the way, it's fucking amazing. Um, 
It, it awesome. inspires me. <laughs> uh, um, do you do your Zoom calls from work in front uh, of that too? No, I haven't. I've been on Eagles from home anymore. So. so, I recently visited a new brewery that's local to me, and that's pretty unusual because I've lived here for like over seven years, and there's never been like a local brewery near me. Um, this one's like you know a town over, so it's like seven minutes away. And you know they're still new; they're going through growing pains and whatnot, but. One thing I really appreciated about them is they're not focusing on certain styles. They're not like, hey, you know, we like, you know, these three styles, so this is all we're going to brew, and maybe we'll, you know, brew something every once in a while. They are just brewing a different style every time they brew. And, you know, from an outsider's perspective, you may look at that, especially on a business side, I think that's suicide, that's dumb. You know, you want to have core beers that people are going to want to come back to, but as like a beer lover, I, I love it. You know, it's so rare to come across a brewery that's just brewing all these different styles. Um, and, you know, the challenge is to brew them pretty well. Um, and this brewery, you know, again, there's, 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 there's pluses and minuses, but I love the ambition. I love that they're, they're continuing to do this. So I guess my wish would be, I wish more breweries would kind of go with this model where they just brew, you know, just whatever style that they think is interesting, even if it's like, you know, an American brown ale, a porter, a doppelbach, Bohemian pilsner, a New Zealand pilsner, um, you know, whatever. I just, I find that really interesting, you know, I, and I think their model is to sort of connect with the community, um, even if they're not like, you know, nailing down these these sort of core beers, which, you know, they probably will at some point, but I just love the experimentation. I, I, I wish more breweries would do that. I remember when breweries used to do that all the time. Yeah, it's funny because there's a, there's a slight shift in perspective where you're applauding a brewery for out of the gate doing that, and uh, we've openly shit on breweries that built their name on brewing one beer and decide, you know what, I want to capitalize on people being interested in something else and and you know start taking dark pictures of cloudy bitter and putting it on Instagram. And saying I'm now brewing this other style, and we've shit on that. So, uh, so I agree. I, I remember the the years when breweries did that. It was a that home brewer mentality. It's what inspired a generation mm-hmm. of people to want to brew beer, the experimentation and the trying new things and dabbling, uh, and and seeing what people liked. I think it's great. I love it. I'll just give a. I'll just I give think a quick, there's been. Sorry, a, I don't mean to I just want to give a quick shout out to the brewery since I first brought it. So it's, it's dirigible brewing in, in Littleton, Massachusetts. So I think there's a, a growth of, you know, we, we had that growth of the home brewer, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, right? Which is all kind of when we all got into it. But um, I think going to brewery tap rooms and seeing 24 IPAs on the board and there's all these other styles has kind of started getting more, you know, another round of, of home brewers going where I want to try these other styles of beer. And, you know, when I got started, it was to make these styles of beers that didn't really exist, but you only read about in a book. And now it's like these styles of beer you only see on, on, on uh, Instagram and on untapped. Um, but you can't find them when you go down to, to your local brewery that's got 24 draft lines and 15 of them are uh, IPAs and the rest are pastry stouts. So I, th- I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, Switzer, why don't you go next? All right. Um, you know, it's a tough thing to think about, but I think if I had to pick something, I'm I'm enjoying when a and it's 
it's rare and it's because it's business but I enjoy when a brewery focuses on a style on a technique on perfecting um, a certain beer whatever it is if you're going to focus on English styles focus on English styles if you're going to do all you know uh, hazy IPAs do that if you're going to do lagers do lagers well if you want to focus on just Czech lagers I mean what they're doing up at Sacred Profane I haven't been up there yet I need to get up there but uh, I commend that you know just perfecting something and again it goes with my personality and my brewing style um, but again you know that goes against the consumer that comes in you, know, you want to kind of have something that pleases everybody I feel like that's the job of a bar you know you go to a bar or a restaurant you go to a beer bar they've got everything under the sun you go there with a bunch of people but I l- love the idea of people making a trip to a brewery for the beer not because they have dog treats for your dog or you want to play frisbee in the back or your kids are screaming and nobody will give you a problem um granted there, there need to be those breweries too and they're going to kill it because everybody in the world is going to go there but i would love to see more of those breweries that are uh you know brewers breweries or beer lover breweries uh that people go and make a pilgrimage to get out there because they're doing something really right so that's what i'm looking forward to it's like the opposite of me <laughs> Almost like the complete opposite yeah. of, of Nick. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. All right, Marco, you're uh, actually, I'll go first and Marco, you can come up with, uh, at the end. Uh, so my wish is more, so it's kind of like, I want to see more either prepackaged mix packs of beer. You know, breweries have so many SKUs now and, um, it's almost a pain in the ass to get a hold of them all. You got to buy a four pack of everything just to try, you know, one. Um, or uh, kind of going along with that, I'd like to see more liquor stores uh, allow you to break up four packs and six packs. There are definitely, we have a couple around here that allow you to do that, but not all of them do that and some of them frown upon it. So, um, you know, you look at the shelves and the number of SKUs out there. And it's you just can't drink everything, you know, if, especially if you're buying it by the four pack or six pack. So I'd like to see more mix packs and and the ability to buy singles. So that's me. That's my wish. That's a good one. I I, I can't stand those damn liquor store you know bottle shops that you go into, and they won't let you split up a four pack, but they have that like one mm-hmm. like little cabinet that is clearly like all the degenerate beers that they can't sell. That they're like right. create your own six pack of this like you know eighteen month trash, old IPA. Yeah. It's like oh god, like yeah. I, I could just get a get that gone and just like I remember. I don't know if craft beer cellar does anymore, but when they opened the craft beer cellar when I lived in Littleton, Mass, and they opened that craft beer cellar in Westford, the two original owners of that, they didn't care. They snap a beer off we'll figure yeah. it out make your own out of anything in the store and i'm like god i love that because it allowed yeah, you I don't to think try they everything care still yeah yeah you can still do it you can still do yeah, it there. um uh, julio's also allows me yeah. to do that as well the one stop here in tooksbury does and then yeah i think all the craft beer sellers let you but like all right here's we'll jump on the treehouse bandwagon again maybe not they've got how many f- fucking beers you can go buy and almost all of them are by the four pack and frankly, I Unless don't want a four-pack of... it's their predetermined case well, that has, like... Right, mixed like case. random yeah. numbers of but beers, then, which is really weird. When you get the beers, they don't put pack techs on them. They come as singles anyway. So why not just let me buy, like... I just... I don't want to buy a four-pack of green. I just want one. I just want to try it. I won't, you know what? I, yeah, well, I mean, okay. I'll, 
So I don't want to defend Treehouse too much here, but I mean, number one, that'd be a logistical nightmare considering how many cans they go They're already it. picking them by onesies. Yeah, but I mean, the other thing too is like, you know, they, they probably try and highlight those, those mix packs where you can get like one of each of, you know, 10 different IPAs or 20 different IPAs or whatever. It's a whole case. It's a mixed we case. Should, we should look at it from a business perspective. You know what I mean? I can't imagine like I know. I know. I, I guarantee you that there's like a, a profit loss if they just will just sell individual cans. Two packs. Well, it becomes a it becomes a um, uh, like a a stock system. You know, uh, inventory nightmare. Well, right? that's what like, I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like you're just but they've started dabbling. If you may or may not have noticed, there are some selections at Treehouse that they sell them in two packs. Oh, they, yeah, but it's usually like the limited release IPA. Still, but they've I mean, always been like, yeah, like you know, you're limited to like one, one, one can or two cans or whatever. Yeah. They, I guess uh, so. I'm looking there now. I guess they do have some like you can get a uh, 12 pack of the Trail, so the Trail series, and it's just a mixed 12 pack of Trail, which actually doesn't sound that bad of an idea. Um, but anyway, or, or that was, that's my wish. Or go with a couple. Yeah, or friends. go with a friend. Or go or to a hey, Marco. that makes good loggers. Or that. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Or Marco, bring it up. Yeah, yeah. No, no pressure closing it out. Uh, I would. My wish uh, for craft beers. Pro- Do you want bourbon prices to come yeah, down? Yeah, yeah. That. Let's, let's start there. Um, <laughs> no, I. I um, it's kind of twofold, I guess. Uh, but I, in a in a real blanket statement, I would like craft beer to be fun again. And I remember the days where you went to breweries and beer was part of the equation, but it wasn't the only equation. You went to this place, you had fun with your friends, you drank beer, but you weren't sitting there sharing fucking nosing notes and tasting notes and you weren't hunting down um, you know, one particular beer because you needed to be better than everybody else because you had that beer. There's a pretentiousness that has developed within the craft beer community. The coolest people I've met in my life have been at breweries or in this homebrew club. And I don't meet those people anymore when I go to breweries. You know, it used to be you stand in line and it'd be cool people that you'd hang out with and chat with and he'd shoot the shit and you might talk beer but you might it's just talking shop it wasn't this sort of ego pretentiousness that came with it and i feel like uh, there's so much of that now uh, with all these different channels just building an empire on reviewing things it's all about a review it's all about how i can uh, throw in these crazy adjectives to describe everything Uh, so it's just I, i it feels like it's taken the fun um, out of out of beer, um, and uh, you know me as a home brewer, I, I love the idea that I get to experiment things and share and talk about beer with the guys and talk about notes all the time. But but sometimes I just want to shoot the shit and have a, a, a drink, and that's just part of shooting the shit with the guys. Um, so I, I'm seeing I, 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 that was a huge part of the craft beer industry. It's big in bourbon right now too, which I'm I feel like I'm getting it from two angles uh, a lot, but. But I, I just want to um, knock down the pretentiousness, not have it be um, so just strung up on 
uh, things that aren't that important. And, and localization of breweries is great, but people you see on Untapped people shitting on breweries because of you know it doesn't smell a certain way or taste a certain way. This this negative tone that's just come with the growth of the industry um, that that I don't really appreciate too much. People are trying to make a living. People are trying to do good things. And uh, the consumer at times just sucks. Um, it sounds like you're, you know, you're experiencing social media, right? Instagram, Untapped, mm-hmm. all of these things. It's not about going and experiencing a beer at the bar. It's going and me experiencing a beer at the bar, right? It's about the person and what this beer means for me and my, you know, putting it on Instagram and taking a picture with it and posting it on Untapped and. You're not, you're, yeah, you're not going to experience the beer. You're going to get yeah, likes. Yeah, it's like yeah, some right. sort of status or recognition that people seek, and and sometimes it just gets really ugly. Uh, and uh, you know, I do see it, it. You know, it does happen a lot in social media. I've I've unfortunately experienced it a bunch in person at breweries too, um, and it's just not it's not pleasant. It just it really takes away from. Um, the industry and what I've spent the last 20 years, um, you know, growing into and, and really appreciating about the craft. Um, so, yeah, so that's what uh, and I also think it's spilled over into um, home brewing a little bit like home brewing doesn't seem to be as popular. Uh, you know, I, I could be wrong. I don't have any data to prove that, but I don't think I see people homebrewing as much probably because of the availability of good beer that's out there that and it's you know can be relatively inexpensive to find decent stuff versus you know 15 20 years ago um, but even like the homebrewers like I, it's just I don't know the the consumer and the people that are um, involved in beer now just seem different and I sound like an old man and I feel like an old man I was going to say I think it, you're mm-hmm. just uh, you know you're, you're approaching my age yeah <laughs> You're I've been through that time, yeah. and yes, it does. You look around the world, and everybody seems young and happy, and uh, and you're not. <laughs> no, uh, no, I get it. I get it. And you just want to go and enjoy beer and, and have fun and say, "Oh, this beer is great. It's fun. It's great." And and there are people there that are, you know, they're they're shitting on beer or they're not even there for the beer. Or it's the scene has certainly changed a lot over the years in good ways and in bad ways. Yeah, there you know, there's some breweries out there that like, I don't know. You're you're going there for like, yeah, for you're going to the brewery for the scene, and not so much for a beer and your friends and like, you know, I don't know. I just want a proper pub with proper pub people and no TVs and no music and just you get a beer and you sit down with your buddies and you just. Hang out and chat. Why don't you move to fucking I'm England. Say, sit down with a book. It's America. <laughs> sit down know, with a really. sit down with a book, and nobody talk to me. <laughs> yeah, just I need to move to Europe. It's not England. It's Europe. It's it's go to a proper beer garden in 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 Central Europe, and you know everybody's outside drinking. There's they're not you know blaring music. There's no pinball machines. There's no cornhole. It's everybody's just people don't even have their cell phones out. You're just you know you got your beer you're drinking it's a social thing right it's not so much about all the games that you have or the fire pit or the the um you know what axe throwing or whatever trendy shit's going I, I, on I today am absolutely it's, with you and I, I feel like i'm going to sound like an asshole but i feel the exact same way like i went i went to a brewery I went, i'm not going to say the name of the brewery because i love it 
but I went there to have a couple beers with, with some guys in my club and just have a conversation. We're going to do some planning and just want to sit at a long table, have a couple beers. And it was a trivia night. And I had no idea. It was just a random Wednesday night or whatever. Went in there and we were trying to have a conversation in the corner and everybody's looking at us like we're assholes because we're talking. Like, God forbid I went into a brewery to have a beer and talk to my friends, right? Or you go in there and it's a running club or it's dog day or whatever. It, you know, And they're doing it for business reasons, right? You want to bring people in and draw mm-hmm. them in on off days. But you know what? On an off day, you should go in there. It should be pretty quiet. You should be able to just hang out and have a conversation and not experience like a big, busy brewery. And they kind of took those moments that are really fun and nice and enjoyable. And they've, for business sake, you know, it's knitting night. You know, everybody's going to be in there crocheting and gossiping about, you know, what's was on TV Was it the brewery that was looking at you that way or the people sitting there participating? The people in sitting yeah, there. Yeah, sorry. So that goes back to the point yeah. that I was making, which the brewery is probably thrilled to have you guys there on a non-busy night that wasn't there for trivia. Like, holy shit, like we got people here that aren't for this event that right. we had to pull together mm-hmm. to draw people in. And so I'm sure they were thrilled about it. We've got these assholes that, God forbid, you're not participating in what they're doing. And you're disrupting their time, and it's all about me, me, me. And fuck them. Yeah, I mean, God forbid I show up on Clue Night, and, you know, I'm not there to play Clue. <laughs> yeah, some of the best times I've had is, you know, when I go to, uh, you know, bars or, or breweries is when I travel. Uh, I'm by myself. I've got no, um, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. vested, no vested interest. I'm just going there to experience something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson, Mississippi, there was this place called Hops and Habanas. It's it's no longer in existence, uh, but it was like the coolest spot. It was a bar slash beer bottle shop slash uh, giant humidor cigar bar. It was like the nice. it was it was like <laughs> everything that I love all in one place. But <laughs> so you'd go, you'd order a pint, you could buy bottles to go, you'd order a pint. And I'd go sit back in like the cigar garden area. It was outside behind the place. They had TVs up and I'd sit in the corner and I'd just drink my beer, smoke a cigar. There'd be some other people there. You just start shooting the shit with them. It'd be great. It was like totally Mm -hmm. nonchalant, chilling, hanging out, having a good time, chatting with folks. It'd be so much fun. The last few times uh, that I went there before they closed, like, God, they had like these guys that would... They have like six. They had sixteen flights. They had a whole table that had flights of beers going across the whole freaking table. They're all sampling them and they're like writing down notes. And I'm like, God, you're like sucking the life out of beer right now. Like doing whatever <laughs> weird, untapped thing that you guys are doing right now instead of just sit down, smoke a cigar, and have a fucking beer. It's like yeah. So going on travel, I, I it's been a long time since I have, but sit at the bar you get a beer or whiskey and you know dinner and you just watch the game on on the tv and somebody sits next to you and they're on travel too or whatever and you just start strike up a conversation it's just camaraderie of being at a at a bar it's not so much about whatever it is you're drinking and yeah so you're here i think marco we need one of those bars that should be your wish for the future those yeah. exist, by the way. I mean, you know, not to point out my, 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 my favorite, for my favorite bar. People. Well, no, I mean, like, uh, um, Jesus Christ. Arsby no, Abbey. There's, no, there's not a TV in there. Yeah. You go in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're forced to socialize. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, I mean, those places exist. But, yeah, you know, they're far and few between. And, you know, breweries, it's hard 
you know, as a brewery, you know, you, you rely on those people that you guys don't want to run into to kind of support them. Because I think the margins right. are so thin as it is, you know, so you kind of have to have that yeah. stuff. Aeronaut was telling me their uh, busiest night of the week is Tuesday night trivia night. It's all it's busier than Friday and Saturday That's night. Insane. And don't go try to have a fucking conversation in the corner there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, yep. I, I was banking oh, totally. on one of those fun little <laughs> pubs uh, opening up uh, right off of Main Street in Tewksbury. I'm still waiting for that to happen. It hasn't hasn't quite happened yet. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Someday. I will say we've got good bars in Newburyport. Port Tavern, the Grog, the Black Cow. They've got Switzer you know, Brown. Those are good bar names, <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah. Although I, now that the I Grog, live closer to Switzer, I'm sorry, Phil, I, I can't wait for your, your bar to open anymore. I, I, I have to just start showing up at Switzer's house. That's what I got to need to start doing. It's always mm-hmm. open. Yeah, I mean, if uh, I think we've recorded just as much in uh, Switzer's bar for this podcast as we have in my uh, dining room. Yeah, right. So Yeah, next one. Uh, yeah, I think uh, coming up soon, um, I don't know when we're going to get to it, but uh, we've got another um, Long Cold Switzer coming. So uh, You're here. There's as long as it's then, after uh, February 1st, please. <laughs> oh, yes, totally. All righty. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, for those of you who are listening out there, definitely check out our social handles and uh, hit up... Uh, facebook.com slash group slash mvhbc if you want to join our conversation there or ask us questions or any of the other guys in the club if you have any issues with uh, what you're brewing or uh, uh, want to get some feedback um, definitely reach out to us there Uh, i think uh, if you post you probably will get a response within 15 or 20 minutes hit us up and we'll uh, talk to you next time on strike mash boil The Strike Mash Boil podcast is produced by the Merrimack Valley Homebrew Club, an American Homebrewers Association sanctioned club. Follow us on Instagram at MBHBC. Join the conversation in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash MVHBC. And check out our website at MVHBC.com.